All right, everyone, welcome to the episode of today. So today is going to be a whole episode on relationship advice. I have pulled together some great questions that have been sent through and it's a combination of, you know, um, drama within friendships, drama with families, how to navigate certain situations where you think that your partner is being inappropriate with somebody else and they get defensive and deny it. How do you navigate that? Are you the crazy one or are they actually just gaslighting you and they're being inappropriate? We're covering all of that. Friendship, dramas, everything, okay? So there is no brain fact for today. I kind of just wanted to dive straight into this and get through a whole bunch of these different listener questions because I feel like even though you yourself might not relate to that precise Listen, a question on that precise situation, you might be in a position where you're like, yeah, wow, um, I can apply that to a different area in my life. I can apply that conversation or how that person is speaking, you know, to that person in my life and I can kind of use those skills or, or use that lesson for a different situation. So don't think, oh, that story is not relevant to me. It doesn't matter. I think you can always pull stuff from other stories. Okay, let's get straight into it. Number one. Hi Alexis. I've been with my partner for a year and was introduced to him through a mutual friend. The mutual friend's boyfriend is a friend of my partner's and all four of us hang out quite often. However, I've noticed a few things which have made me feel uneasy and have caused a few deep discussions slash arguments with my partner. For example, The mutual friend has previously texted my partner inappropriately asking about my body as a sort of banter, okay? I notice when she's around, they get along so well that that it almost feels like as if I'm third wheeling. When she's not around, my partner is constantly wanting to know whether she's joining us on our activities. I have told him that I am not keen to hang out with them and he doesn't see why and says that, says that if I continue to be judgmental, I won't have any friends. I get very emotional when talking about these things with him and end up apologizing for coming across as taking him away from his friends. I have considered ignoring the jealousy I have formed towards, and jealousy is in inverted commas, I've considered ignoring the jealousy I have formed towards this mutual friend, but know that if I leave, if I leave it, the relationship will deteriorate. It's at the point where I'm frightened to leave my partner alone with a mutual friend because anything could happen. Any advice on this situation would be great. Thanks, Alexis. Okay, great fucking question. Such a great question. And I feel like there's a few of you who are listening who are in a similar situation where you've tried to raise something with your partner about behavior that might be, you know, what you deem to be inappropriate and the partner fully brushes it off and says, no, nah, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. And it's kind of gets to a point where it's like, now it's gotten to a point where it's like my word against yours, my opinion against yours. And when that happens in a relationship, when we're talking about emotional things, it can really cause a divide. And it's kind of like, where do we go from here? I think the most important thing that you have to understand is no matter what someone else deems appropriate, you have to know what you deem appropriate for yourself, okay? What, is, what are your boundaries? Because when it comes to relationships, there's no strict rule. Some people have an open relationship. They can, you know, they're, they're, they're emotionally intimate, but physically they can be open with anyone. Other people are like super, like they, they share a fucking Instagram page with their, both their names on it. Like there are the, the two extremes and whatever you and your partner agree on is the right thing. 
So there's no right or wrong as long as you can both be on the same page and have open communication. That's key. So what you need to do in this situation, because there might be some people that listen to that and think, ah, get over it, they're just playing. But this might be eating you up inside and say, no, cunt, the way he's behaving with her, he doesn't behave with me. And it makes me feel very unsettled and it makes me feel unloved. And I don't feel like I'm getting what I need to be getting in a relationship. And that is a fair thing to feel. So what I have to say to you is you've got to get to the bottom of what is the absolute bare minimum that you're willing to put up with long term. Okay, like what or or the the maximum, I should say, of these behaviors that you're willing to put up with. What is your standard for how you would treat somebody and how you expect to be treated? And would you behave that way to your partner? Would you be doing those things to him? Do you think that you would feel completely comfortable, you know, fanning over this other man and every time your partner's there semi-ignoring your partner and it's like, ha, 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 fun, 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 banter with this other man, would you feel comfortable doing that, okay? So you have to look at all these things and say, I'm sure I've never done that to him and I would feel very uncomfortable if I did do that to him. Um, I you know, what I deem to be intimacy is not what he deems to be intimacy. Get a really clear picture and then you need to sit him down and talk to him and say, and ideally not when it's heated because sometimes when you raise all your frustrations when you're in a really heated debate, it it causes the other – or it doesn't cause. People cause themselves to do things. You're not causing it. But this person may likely – get defensive and put their walls up if the underlying emotion is anger. So if possible, try and approach this when you guys are calm and say, look, and and it's not, you're not ruining the moment, by the way. Can I just say this is a little disclaimer. If you're someone that tries to bring something up that's important to you and the longevity, longevity of your relationship and you try and bring something up when things are good and your partner says, oh, you're ruining the moment, you're ruining the situation, that's gaslighting. They're, they're deflecting, okay? You are in your right to raise a pressing issue or something that's weighing down on you when it when it's you know involving the two of you in a relationship. So, when things are calm, approach him and raise the topic and say, "Look, now that we're calm and use that as the reason. Now that we are calm, I really want to discuss this because I think it's fair that I explain to you how I'm feeling about this situation." Okay? I'm not okay with it. I don't think it's appropriate, and I genuinely feel that when we are all together. I feel left out. You know, also the fact that she's made comments about my body to you is beyond inappropriate, beyond inappropriate. And for you, and I don't know how he reacted to that comment. Obviously he told you about it. So I'm not sure if he thought it was inappropriate as well, or if he brushed it off as like, oh, it's just banter, but there has to be some boundary and you're the one that's got to set that boundary. So you can say, look, I'm, I don't want to, you know, make this friendship end. That's not what I'm trying to do. However, certain things need to change for me to feel comfortable. It may get to a point, this is, this is the issue. If things keep going the way they're going and he refuses to change because he doesn't acknowledge that it makes you uncomfortable and he doesn't think that his behavior is inappropriate, then you're going to have to either leave or put up with it forever. They're your two options, okay? So you need to know deep down what you are willing to do. Because if I were you, if I were in your situation and someone was doing that, I might put up with it for a little bit because I was really in love with the person. But if it kept happening again and again and again and I truly, truly felt that they had something that I didn't have with my partner, it would burn me out and I would eventually have to tap out. Okay? So 
it's a matter of what are you willing to put up with because to push something aside that is grinding on your intuition and grinding on your gears, I don't think is healthy to do that. You need to be in a relationship where you feel like you are having your needs met. That is the point of entering a relationship. You can both mutually find somebody who you obviously enrich each other's lives, but your needs are being met. It's not fair that one person's needs are being met and the other person's needs are not being met. That's not fair, okay? So you can call it an ultimatum, you can call it whatever you want and it's not saying don't walk in and say I'm going to fucking leave if you don't change. That's not what you're saying. But you're saying these things I'm not okay with, I'm not happy with and if they continue – It's going to really wear down on our relationship and I can't speak for how things are going to be for us in the future if you don't do anything to change, knowing how it upsets me, knowing that I genuinely believe this behavior is inappropriate. You have to lay all of that out. If he says to you, I'm not changing, you're not going to make any friends, you're this, you're that, you're that, all this like accusation, you know, deflecting, putting it all on you, then you've got what you need to hear. And now you have to take action on that behavior because as far as you trying to manipulate the situation and trying to get someone to change, or get, that's not going to happen. So let's say that he refuses to change. Now you have to look at what am I willing to put up with? Am I genuinely okay settling for this? And if the answer is yes, then you have to find a way to absolutely when, when they're hanging out, whatever, distract yourself, do something else that's fun so you're not sitting at home festering. If the answer is no, then that's your cue to tap out of the relationship, okay? But at the end of the day, you can't control how people feel. So you've got to know what is my limit? What am I willing to put up with? And what am I not willing to put up with? And you have to honor that to yourself. If you feel that putting up with this would be a sign of disrespect to yourself, then there's your answer, okay? Hopefully that helped you. And I'm sorry that you're in a situation like that. Also, commenting on your body, I think is fucking weird, weird flex. All right, next. Hi, Alexis. I absolutely love the podcast. I found it last month and I have binge listened to so many episodes. It has really helped me have a new outlook on life. I have a story for you. I recently had a friendship group breakdown. It started with me posting a quote about people and friends being fake and how not everyone who hangs out with you and laughs with you is necessarily a friend. One of the girls in the group took offense and thought it was about her. It wasn't. I tried reaching out multiple times to get her to sit with me and have a chat and eventually one of the girls in the group got her to meet me for coffee. The three of us met and I assured them it wasn't about them and apologized for upsetting them but at the same time explained I was upset she wouldn't just discuss it with me and sad it even came to that and got blown out of proportion. I thought we left on good terms. The next day was my birthday and normally they do the typical Instagram story for everyone's birthday but no one in the group did that for me. I was of course very upset and it kind of ruined my birthday. My husband saw how upset I was and deleted them from his Insta. Probably silly but he was just frustrated for me. Fast forward to one week later when we were all at a birthday party for one of the kids and none of them in the group spoke to me and I was left standing on my own in the corner with my baby alone. I reached out multiple times to them as a group and separately to find out why they were isolating me and no one responded. It got to the stage where I even said I wasn't coping mentally and just wanted to know again. And sorry, I got to the stage where I wasn't coping mentally and just wanted to know again and no response. I ran into one of them at the shops and quietly walked up to her and tried to ask her why she wasn't talking to me or at least just telling me what I've done and she told me to go away. So obviously this has escalated. I've lost so much sleep over trying to think of anything I could have done 
And I can't think of anything except that as a group, they just wanted me gone. So basically are being mean girls and outcasting me. We all live in a small town, so have the same gym, some mutual friends. And I hate that everyone on the outside probably thinks that I'm the bad guy because I lost them as friends. Any advice is much appreciated. Okay. I'm just going to say this, and I think some of us have already thought this by hearing it. These, this group, and you may or may not play a part in this, I don't know, but the dynamic of this friendship group is extremely unhealthy and very immature. So whether you play a part in that or not, I'm going to pretend that you don't, but obviously when I give advice, try and be reflective and see if you play a role in that. The fact that they're instantly going to jump on the defensive when they see that kind of quote means that likely there are already cracks in the friendship, okay? If they're looking at that and instantly thinking it's about them, it's because they are aligning with what that post that you put up said. They're like, oh, so there must be some level of fakeness or some level of cattiness already in the group for someone to look at that comment and feel attacked, okay? Number one. Because a truly, truly healthy friendship would look at that and reach out being like, oh, my God, babe, who, who's fucking pissed you off? They would not think it's about them, okay? That's red flag number one. So obviously there's some cracks, big cracks already. Number two, the fact that your husband went and deleted them all off Instagram makes me feel, again, that these friendships are unhealthy and this is probably the final straw for him and he was like, ah, perfect excuse to delete them all off Instagram. I'm sick of how they're treating you, right? Because either that or his reaction was over, like very dramatic because, you know, whenever possible, I would try my very best not to interfere with Tyrone and his friends and vice versa when it comes to issues and dramas. You know, you, you don't want to exacerbate the problem. You kind of want to just be there as support. So if he's gone and deleted them, that's gone and added fuel to the fire, which – is what it is. He's entitled to do whatever the fuck he wants. But that's why then he's gone and deleted them. Your friends are going to be like, ah, so she is bitching about us behind our back, you know, obviously because her husband's now gone and deleted us. So imagine the shit that she's saying behind our back. So it's just this, you know, it's this this vicious circle that's going and going and feeding of shit, basically. It's just shit feeding of shit and it's getting worse and worse. You've tried to reach out with them. You've sat down with them. You've then tried to reach out with them again. If I were you, look, in a nutshell, but I go into, I go a little bit deeper into it. In a nutshell, cut these cunts out of your life. This is just so unhealthy. This is so petty. And I feel like you're ready for a new friendship group. Now, I don't know where you guys made friends, but you said that you're from a small town so maybe you've had these friends for a long – you know what I mean? Like, look, I'm not – I have a lot of friends from high school still, love them so much, some of the closest friends in my life. However, a lot of the time when you meet when you are younger, let's say high school or uni or any situation where you're kind of forced to be together, you make friendships based around what you can. You know, like this is my group of friends. I'm kind of – have no choice but to hang around with the people that I click with the most in this school or in this whatever, Right. When you leave school, you then realise, oh, wow, um, we actually don't click that much and you're actually, you know, yeah, you're the best out of the bunch at school that I would align with but in general don't really align with you. But a lot of people don't ever question it. So they maintain these friendships that are actually still 
potentially childish, the behaviours that they have still carry on from a younger age. And I'm only saying this, and this is a total presumption. The reason I'm saying is that behaviour is very grade 12. So that's why I'm presuming that you guys have been, and you're all from a small town. So I'm presuming, and this is an absolute presumption, that you guys have been friends since high school or since a younger age. But it's this idea that the maturity of the group doesn't advance as much as if you meet someone as an adult outside of high school. And like I said, in some cases, it's absolutely beautiful and you carry friendships throughout your life. But in most cases, people do not hang out with their friends from high school because they all grow in different directions. It's not to say everyone's an asshole, but you grow and you find your own. If I were you, I think you've outgrown this group. That's my opinion, based on what you've said. You're losing sleep. They're ignoring you at a birthday party. They're, they're telling you to go away at a shopping center. Are we fucking 12 years old here? If I were you, I'd be like, you're the trash that has just taken itself out. Bon fucking voyage. I've got better shit to do than lose sleep over someone who's going to see themselves in a toxic explanation of a friend and then be offended about it. It's like, firstly, motherfucker, if this post was about you, if I was just being passive aggressive and did a post about you and you're like, oh, that's about me. If you were an adult and you cared about the friendship, you would reach out and say, babe, do you think I do that because, you know, X, Y, Z and try and mend it? You'd be like, fuck, maybe I need to pull my shit up. Maybe I am a shit friend. But this person's like, she's caught me out. How dare she catch me out? And then go on a rampage and turn everyone else against you. I'm sorry. You've got much better shit to do. And who cares if you're from a small town? Find other friends. I'm sure there's other people in that town. And you know what? People are going to think what they want to think. And so be it. And let them. Who cares? You know what? People, if you say... I hate that everyone on the outside probably thinks that I'm the bad guy. They're probably not thinking at all. Everyone's got their own fucking dramas. They'll, they'll think about it for a little bit, if that, and only if it's, you know, because they're in intense conversations with these friends in that group of yours, friends as a loose term in that group of yours. But in general, people don't really care. And if they care, they care until the next piece of gossip rolls into the town. So if I were you, you've done what you needed to do. You've reached out, but I actually wouldn't be reaching out more than that because I wouldn't be too sad to fucking see that thing fucking, it's run its course is what I feel. Anyway, next. That's all I have to say. But honestly, fucking dodge the bullet and be gone. Next. All right. Hi, Alexis. I've been listening to your podcast for years and love how open, honest, open and honest about everything you are. It's very rare these days. Thank you so much. I've been dating my partner for seven months now and so much has happened. At the start of our relationship, everything was amazing. He was charming, loving, funny, my teddy. After a few months, he cheated on me and I walked away and he came back and reassured me that he wouldn't do it again. We eventually moved in together due to me losing my unit because of my dog and that was fine. Things were okay. He was drinking a lot and very erratic and blamed me for everything. Okay, babe, that is not okay. So things are obviously not okay if he's doing that. I found out he cheated on me again. I left him again and moved out. Then he begged me to come back. I forgave him again and then things got better and we started to go to counselling. Okay, that's good. Now he gets in these moods and has a go at me and I feel like I'm always walking on eggshells. I can't express how I feel at all. My situation doesn't help. I can't financially move out 
and it doesn't help with the lack of renters in Brisbane. I don't know a lot of people that I can stay with. I feel so alone. None of my friends like him or family and I just don't know how to get away from him. I walk away and he comes after me. I don't know what to do. Okay. You obviously have to break up with him. There's no question about it. This cunt doesn't respect you. He does not respect you. Cheated on you twice, makes you feel like you're walking on eggshells. And babe, your self-love needs working on. You need to be alone and working on your self-love because you literally said in the same sentence, it makes me really sad, you said, um, where is it? Things got better and then it gets in moods and I feel like I'm always walking on eggshells. And then you say things were okay. He was drinking a lot and very erratic and blaming me for everything. That's not okay. That's not normal. That is unacceptable behavior from what seems to be a degenerate, okay? So number one, it's done. It is over. You need to cut this person out of your life or it's just going to be this downward spiral and then you're going to look back in a few years and be like, holy fucking shit, what have I been doing, okay? Number two, you've got to look at your living situation and how the fuck you're going to get out of there. You have to get out of there, okay? You say you've got nowhere to go. There's got to be somewhere that you can go because you're literally, by saying this, you're literally saying that your only option in life is to continue living with him and that is extremely unrealistic, okay? So you're saying I can't financially and it doesn't help with the lack of renters in Brisbane. I understand that. That's not an easy position to be in. But when you left the last two times, where did you go? Is there someone that can have you for a couple of weeks at a time or two weeks here, two weeks there until you find another place? Go on, you know, flatmates.com where you're just doing a temporary thing in someone's fucking spare room until you get your own place or until you find a more permanent roommate. But there needs to be a solution because I can't believe that you're – this. Is, look, I'm sure you're in a difficult position, clearly – but I'm just getting really like fired up about this. So just forgive me for getting so like invested. But what frustrates me is that there's no way that your only option is to stay with this man. You need to fucking tap the fuck out of this thing. Get out. It's toxic. And the longer you stay in this relationship, the more it's going to feel like you can't leave. You've only been together for seven months. For this behavior to be cropping up after seven months is a blessing because you haven't wasted that much time. So get the fuck out of there, even if it means couch surfing for a little bit. Try and house sit. Do what you have to do, but the as far as leaving him, you've got to get out, okay? Pull, pull on favours from your friends. That's what friends are for. And y- I know you said you don't know a lot of people, but you do have some friends because you literally just said, none of my friends like him. So... There are some friends and see if they can help you. See if they can just have you. Say, look, I'm, I'm fucking desperate. I need your help right now. That's what friends do. And you just do like two weeks here, two weeks there until you get another place. Hopefully that helped, but you've got to fucking tap the fuck out of that relationship. All right, next. Hi, Alexis. Can you do a brain fact or explain why it is that your mind goes blank in dialogue when you're nervous? I find it happening when... I find it happening where mid-sentence in a work meeting, I might lose the word I was reaching for and have to pause. It only seems to happen when I have a little bit of nerves going on. Other times I do great in high-pressure meetings when I feel confident. Any tips that help prevent it? Okay, look, 
That's exactly, exactly right. You literally just explained the two scenarios. When you feel confident about something, you are a lot calmer and the parts of the brain that are more active are the ones that are going to help you retrieve memory a lot better. When you look at memory consolidation um, and memory retrieval, they're kind of two separate things. In order to consolidate a memory to like, in, in other words, to cement that memory into your brain, it helps to have some level of stress. Um, not crazy levels of stress, but stress that's related to the memory. In other words, it helps to layer some emotion, not in extreme cases where it's overpowering, but to that event and then it's more likely to be consolidated into your memory and that's got to do with how the limbic system processes events and ties them to emotions and then makes it easy to recall because it's important you know it anytime emotion is layered to an event including stress it means this is important I need to retain this okay so when it comes to consolidating memory a bit of stress is good when it comes to retrieving memory stress doesn't help Okay, so the two separate things. Memory works in like there's quite a few aspects of memory. And when you're trying to retrieve memory, you're using a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, that part of the front of your brain that's doing all the work of um, like, okay, I need to remember this word. I need to remember these 10 facts that I said I was going to do in a meeting, blah, blah, blah. I need to do all of this. And when you're under stress, your emotional centers are starting to fire up. It's that fight, flight or freeze. And it's like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. They're going to judge me. I'm going to lose this position or they're going to think I'm an idiot or they're going to think I'm not prepared or this or that. Blah, 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 blah. And so it's this nerves and that those nerves interfere with your ability for your prefrontal cortex to do its job and retrieve information properly. When you're feeling confident, your prefrontal cortex is firing on all cylinders, your limbic system is calm, cool, calm and collected and that's why it's a lot easier for you to be pulling shit left, right and centre, all these facts, knowledge, bang, 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 it's easy, it's at your fingertips because you're in the zone. When you're nervous, your limbic system is cock-blocking your retrieval system or the quality of your retrieval. So what I would do is when you know you're going to be nervous, try and bring in something to prompt you, like prompt cards, because what exacerbates the nerves is the moment that you realize you've forgotten the word or forgotten the fact, and then you go down a downward spiral. If you forget something but just glance down and there's a, a key word – then you only have the bit of stress of, oh, I just forgot that one thing, I'm a bit stressed. But then you glance down, bang, and you're back on track and you can start like picking it up again. If you don't have a prompt and you've forgotten the word, then it's a two-pronged stress. It's the stress of not having the fucking word and then it's the stress of not going to be able to have the word and scrambling, okay? So I think it's really important to have prompts. And then another thing is to try and if at all possible – um, I don't know if you can in your workplace at all, but try and rehearse what that's going to look like. If you ever have access to the same room where you're going to have a meeting, try and just be in there a little bit more. When you're in situations where something stressful is going to happen, you feel way calmer than if you're in a brand new situation with people that you're intimidated by or you know, a, a something that you're doing, a presentation that's going to put you under stress. So if you can be in that boardroom and do a run through, do it. If you can be at home, but do the full run through of what your speech is as, as a rehearsal, do it. The more you rehearse it, the calmer you're going to feel when you do it again. If it's the first time you're ever doing it and you've got added stress, your ability of retrieval is going to be hindered. Okay. So hopefully that helped you. Um, but yeah, practice, 
prompts and put yourself in the physical situation that you're going to be in when you know you're going to be under stress and that will make you feel a lot better. If you're going for a fucking audition in a week's time in a place you've never been to, catch a train to that exact place or do the same route to get there so that way you feel on the way a lot calmer because you've done it before. Little things like that help calm your brain down because it's not new stimulus, new stimulus, freaking out, freaking out, okay? Hopefully that helped you. I've got one, maybe two more. All right, next question. Hi, Alexis. Firstly, love, love, fucking love your podcast. So thank you for sharing this gift with us. Also, order is in for your merch. Thanks, doll. Uh, I love that. Uh, My question is, every time my partner and I disagree, we go into this code of silence for days, even weeks. We do not live together, which makes things worse. Then one of us will contact the other and organize the time to talk, like booking in a meeting, to discuss what what went wrong and how to move forward. But it has now become a cycle and I'm exhausted stroking his ego. Can you help me understand why I do this? I'm not sure if it's an attachment style, trauma, or if I'm just super busy mum of two boys that I can't find the energy to address this with him when it happens. Thank you. Look, I look when it comes to this code of silence I don't think that's healthy under any circumstance I do think that some people when you have conflict and when things get heated some people do need to take a moment and retreat and say look I can't argue this now I'm going to say something I regret xyz and that's perfectly fine and say look can we just discuss this in an hour I just need to cool off or even tomorrow that's okay as long as you're voicing that you don't feel comfortable talking about it right now you need to regroup That's actually a really good thing. If your partner says that to you, you need to absolutely welcome that because it means that they're more likely to come to you with a more um, considered statement or approach versus flying off the handles, anger and, you know, pain and resentment and all of that. You need to speak to your partner. And again, I'm going to say it again. I always say this. Raise it with your partner when you're not arguing and say, look, I really want things to progress. I obviously like you, otherwise we wouldn't be together. Like I I really love you. But these days or weeks of silence is just absolutely not viable for a healthy relationship under any circumstance. I know it, you know it, anyone can say that that's extremely unhealthy because the key to a healthy relationship is communication. And when you remove communication, you have nothing left, okay? So you need to, number one, raise it with him as if he doesn't already know. Obviously, he knows, but raise it with him. And then you have to come up with some tools and tactics when you are calm together for how you're going to approach it next time. So you could have, you could say, look, is the reason that we go quiet for because you don't want to go crazy and you feel like you're going to have an anger outburst? That might be a legitimate reason. Fine. Should we do an X amount of timeout or should we do this? Should we do that? Another issue, so separate to that, because obviously you said both of you do this code of silence, but I feel like I get the feeling that he's the one going silent on you and you're the one kind of trying to mend the bridge every time because you say um, it's become a cycle and I'm exhausted stroking his ego. So I get the feeling that it's, it's all on you to fix it every single time, which is completely unfair and if that is the case, then this code of silence is more so coming from one side and you're just kind of a passenger on the ride. And if that's the case, then that is a form of manipulation. It's a form of 
it's a form of control in the sense that they're controlling the situation. They're saying, no matter who's in the wrong, if I go silent, I'm calling her bluff. If I go silent, then I'm going to see how badly she wants to be with me because whether I'm a dick or not, I'm just not going to cave until she comes back and strokes my ego and apologizes and blah, 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 blah. She's got a fear that the relationship is at risk of being lost unless she comes back. So I get the feeling that that's what, what's happening. That might not be the case, but either way, both of you are doing that to each other or one of you is doing it to, to the other person. Either he's doing it to you or you're both doing it to each other, both of which are completely unhealthy and it's, it's a way of constantly dangling the I will leave you at any moment threat above the relationship, which is an extremely, extremely unfair thing to do to a partner. So if your partner is doing this to you, then look, I don't want to be like most of the time my advice to ultimately be like leave leave them if they're a wanker, but leave them if they're a wanker. That's kind of – you're a mum of two. You have fucking a lot on, right, in your life and you – may very well contribute to this toxicity in the relationship. I, I don't pretend to think that every person that writes in is the innocent one in the party and their partner is the devil. Absolutely not. So you need to be looking at this advice as if I'm talking to you as well, not just him. However, if it is the case that you're exhausted stroking his ego every time he decides to kind of semi-ghost you but not and go silent for days and weeks that is just wild, especially if you don't like it. If you both agree like, oh, I love having weeks where we don't talk to each other, fine. Everyone writes their own rules. But if you're not okay with it and they're shutting you out for weeks, that does not fly with me. That would never fly with me, okay? I will give someone all the time in the world they want, but the communication lines have to stay semi-open at least. So you need to say, look, this will not fly with me anymore. Absolutely not. If you genuinely think that the relationship is so worthless that you're willing to go weeks without communicating, then we need to question the point of us being together. We really need to question it. And we need to have a long, hard think about it and then come to the table with why we think we should both stay in it or why we think we should both leave. But to think it's okay to not communicate with me when I feel abandoned, that's so fucked and so unfair to your partner and you're better off being single, both of you, or being in separate relationships respectively, okay? So that would be my advice regarding that. Um, hopefully that helps. But, yeah, definitely raise it when you're calm. If it's something that's purely one-sided, then it's a very controlling situation, I'd tell you, to bounce. If it's both-sided and you're both doing it, then maybe it's something that you can both pull each other up on and be like, we're being fucking idiots. Let's, um, let's find a tactic. Let's discuss how we're going to approach this when we're calm. So then when it happens, we can be like, lol, it's happening again. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's do the two hour timeout and then come back with like, maybe we write something to each other and it's on paper. So we're not blowing up and we can exchange the notes and then read it and then speak to each other. So that's a really good way of diffusing, diffusing, diffusing. I think with a lot of relationships where it's very volatile, there's a lot of anger, your main goal is to learn how to diffuse before you before you like communicate how you're feeling across because a lot of the issues when it comes to communicating in a relationship is people feeling defensive, attacked and fearful, you know. Everyone is scared of being hurt and abandoned no matter how – you know, much work they've done, no matter how big and burly they look, no one wants to feel abandoned. So if they feel at risk that someone's going to shut them out, they're going to shut out. So 
anger is one of the most intimidating things emotionally to respond to when you're trying to be vulnerable. So if you're in a situation where things have escalated and no one wants to be vulnerable, that is what I would recommend. You take a two-hour timeout or maybe you meet in the morning and if you're really new at it, that's when you maybe write things down. You can exchange the letters. You can read out what you've written so that way you don't go off fucking off tangent. Um, that would be what I recommend and it's it helps keep it really calm because you stick to the point and you give each other time to kind of breathe. Cool beans. So that is the advice for today. Okay, we've got one more left. What are we, what are we doing? Okay. Hi. Hi, beauty. Thank you. Firstly, I've been having a really hard few weeks and I've been listening to your podcast and especially the Be Easy with the Outcome pep talk on repeat. It has helped me so much. I'm very happy to hear that. However, I'd love to know specifically what is the best way to get over romantic rejection in the early stages of dating, especially when it feels like it was something special. Basically, I went on Hinge, matched a man, and for a week he and I voice noted back and forth every day. I honestly find it very hard to connect with men and he blew me out of the water. He was kind, very intelligent, witty. We had a 10 out of 10 first date and he was already asking me on a second date before it ended. We spoke for two days after the date all was well and then suddenly slow fade. A week later and with limited communication in that time, he apologized and said that he was having a rough time that week, didn't specify what happened and it wouldn't be fair for him to keep being so aloof, so to put a pin in the second date. I don't know if he just decided he didn't like me or he did have something bad happen that week that put him in the wrong place for a relationship. However, I'm having a really hard time getting over it. Even though it was only one date, this connection is everything I'm looking for and feels hard to find again. I've been on other dates since and I'm trying to keep an open mind but not clicking with anyone else. How do I get over this rejection and find someone else when I felt that this was something so rare? Okay, number one, yeah, I think I think just the, the reason why he's he's kind of faded off is just an absolute mystery. To be honest, he could have probably gotten back with his ex and he didn't want to hurt you with it. He could have had the best date with you too. And then an old flames returned where he's that pulls on his heartstrings and leaves. Something bad could have actually happened or he could just be an absolute fraud and acted out the whole thing and didn't feel anything for you. Like we will never know the answer, which is okay. The number one thing that I'm kind of focusing on here in your letter is that it says, you say, um, I felt this was something so rare. Try and change how you feel that way because the more you think that this is such a rare thing, you're going to feel like it's this once in a lifetime opportunity that was lost. Instead, try and look at this and say, ah, there's proof that there's some legends out there. This one didn't work, but it's it's kind of expanding my awareness on what is truly out there. So instead of thinking, oh, I saw that one, the one epic guy and now he's gone, you want to think, amazing. This is just proof that this is available for me and this might not be the one but there's there's going to be several more that are like this. Use it as an expander. If you keep telling yourself it's rare, you're going to believe that it's rare. And another thing, the more you tell yourself that it's rare and that it was so amazing, then you're going to start feeling that you're never going to get something like that again and you're probably going to feel that he, that you were lucky to have that and he was too, too good for you. 
And that's not a good position to be in because you you then start getting in the headspace of like, oh, I, I, I'm not worthy of having something like that again, especially because it didn't work out. So you want to look at that situation as this isn't rare. It might have been rare for me. I might have never encountered this person in my life. But in the world, it's not rare that you meet a legend and get along and then go forth from there. That's not rare. The concept isn't rare. I just haven't experienced it, but I have just now. So that means that I will start experiencing it more and more. Another thing is being open-minded. When you're fixated on this one date that you've been on and then you go on all these other dates, if your head is still with him, those other blokes don't stand a chance. You know, if you had never met him and then went on this, I'm not saying these exact guys, maybe they actually were, you know, duds. But in general, when you go on another date, if you still got your head with this other person, this new person on the date is not going to stand a chance at having this 10 out of 10 blow your mind out of the water experience because you're not fully there willing to accept this brand new person for who they are and what they have to offer and not have this preconceived notion of what the perfect person is because you're just ready to absorb what they're willing to give you on that date. So I think Number one, you want to change the the narrative that it's rare because it's not. Number two, I want you to be doing a lot of things that work on your self-love so you really truly get to the point where you're like, the reason I had that date is because I'm worthy of a date like that and the reason that it didn't work out has nothing to do with me, obviously, clearly. So because everyone's got a million things going on in their life and I'm just one tiny, tiny facet of those million things. So the chances of it, you know, it went well, we wanted to see each other again it is what it is. I'm letting it go. Okay. But obviously I'm capable of having experiences like this, which makes me feel good because if I've had it before, I can have it again. It's not like you've never experienced it and it's never going to happen for you. Uh, And then I want you to try and maybe take a little pause of dating until you can get to a point where you're like, where you're you're good with those new thoughts and then start dating again when you've got a fresher approach to these people that you're going to be seeing. Because I want you to, to approach these dates not as a way of being like, how close are you to that epic date that I had that one time versus I had such a fun date. I'm here for a brand new experience. I want it to be different. I want to love it as much, but I want it to be different. Every new date should be a brand new experience. I don't want it to feel like I'm trying to like, match something that I had once. Okay. So your aim entering the new dates should be this new experience that you want to be feeling. Hopefully that helped, but yeah, also do a lot of new things. Try fill up your day with a lot of new things that always helps with self-love. Like try a few new adventures, do a few like things where you're really in touch with your body, like go get a massage or go and, you know, do a yoga class or something like that. Do a lot of things that are going to enhance your connection with yourself and your self-love and that makes you feel worthy again. When you put in the time for yourself and you say, I am worthy, then you feel worthy with how you relate to other people as well. Hopefully that helped. Guys, that is all for today's episode. I actually wanted to do way more, so I am going to do a another one of these in a couple of episodes' time. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I really love answering the, answering these questions. So good times. Love you all so much. You're amazing. As always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.